0: Welcome back to Impact Show. So the last time I was in front of a camera was in Deer Valley, Utah, with a lot of people that are in this room. Today we're doing something a little bit different. We're not only interviewing someone really, really special, but behind the camera are about 15 CEOs and founders of incredible businesses and professional services companies. So everyone that's in this room represents Impact, and that's why we created this show. And, you know, we've covered a lot of topics from defense, to journalistic integrity, to emerging technology. But one of the greatest things that we all as humans deal with is healthcare. And with the advancements in healthcare and artificial intelligence technology, I couldn't think of anyone greater than Justin Lee to interview around this topic. Justin, I know a lot about you, uh, and uh, congratulations on the baby that's coming, and I got to meet your family and all. But why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your background, where you grew up, how you got into what you're doing, and just kind of fill us in on what what the story of Justin Lee is.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, on and thanks, thanks everyone for, for coming. So a little bit of background about myself. Uh, I was born in Chandler, Arizona. I lived there until I was 10. Uh, we actually moved to Newport Beach uh, for one of my father's jobs. He um, started Jazz Semiconductors, which spun out of uh, Rockwell, it was a Carlisle uh, leverage buyout. Um, so we spent eight. I spent eight years in Laguna Beach before I went to college, went to undergrad at University of Colorado at Boulder, Um, ended up working for a Fortune two oil and gas company in futures trading. So I was a hedge trader as well as a market analyst for jet fuel as well as ultra low uh, sulfur diesel. Um, Didn't like Houston so much, so went over to uh, San Francisco to do fintech, Mm -hmm. um, and actually joined a company called FactSet, uh, who who just joined the S&P 500 this year. Um, Worked there for several years. um, Opened up their Los Angeles office and then joined Helio as one of the first employees and and co-founders. And it's been six years and it's been an exciting ride.
0: Wow, so you bounced around not just regionally but across different industries as well. So tell us a little bit about Helio, how it was founded, what the business does, and what you guys are are planning to do.
1: At its core, it's a uh, bioinformatics company. So we look at artificial intelligence, we use machine learning, Um, and we look at thousands of data points in your DNA and in your blood and and proteomics data and put that all together to be able to tell if you have cancer and and drive deep insights from your biological data. What we're currently exploring is other business avenues. Um, For instance, we just opened up a service called EasyDoc, which is actually primary care at home, where we can actually send a nurse to your house to take your vitals, we can tell a medicine and a physician, um, we, we believe that everybody should get access to good health care right. um, at affordable uh, prices and we we think that the biggest um, logistical barrier to people getting health care is people don't want to go to hospitals. It's like a four-month wait time uh, for a primary care visit uh, today and it's also you have to wait in um, a waiting room for many hours. Right. Uh, and it's just very challenging. So, Helio's is doing a number of different things in addition to just a, the base uh, cancer detection technology.
0: So talk a little bit about cancer detection, cancer being one of the leading, you know, uh, contributors to early death and, and I'm sure everyone in this world has known somebody, if not already, that's affected by cancer. Now, why has it taken so long to get to this point of a cure? There is no cure, but there seem to be a lot of Um, You know, uh, strategies around a cure that will prolong life or will lead to some sort of better outcome. Can you talk a little bit about just cancer in itself and why with everything that's going on with with modern technology and all the resources available around the world, why there still is no cure?
1: Yeah, so cancer is a very complex disease. I mean, people like to think about cancer as one disease, but really there's 50 different types of cancers and they all look very different and they all uh, you know have different drugs and different treatments, different standard of care workflows. Um, it can get very very complicated so we're we 're of the belief that a lot of money has been spent on late stage drugs and treatments where it 's historically been very profitable to treat patients and to get insurance coverage, whereas there hasn 't been enough money um, in r and d spent on early stage diagnostics to try to find cancer earlier when it can be treated more effectively and have Uh, where where people can get better survival
0: rates. Right, and so early detection is what it's all about. Early detection is the key. So looking at early detection and then treatment, therapeutics and and what's available, tell us a little bit about Helio's solution in that. So you guys are using complex data sets and predictive analytics to find in your AI some sort of mathematical calculation that tells me that I either have cancer or I'm going to have cancer. Is that what you guys are doing? That's exactly what we're doing. So there's three billion base pairs of DNA in
1: your genome, any, any given person's genome. Uh, there's 28 million methylation markers. There's hundreds of thousands of proteins. These are all rich data points, right? Um, and when we think about artificial intelligence and how it's permeated every single industry, um, it's been really slow to take effect or to, um, to disrupt healthcare. This, I think, is one of the key um, Uh, key areas that artificial intelligence can completely change the way that we think about uh, healthcare and and treat diseases. So if you look at 10,000 people with cancer and 10,000 people without cancer, you sequence their genomes, you get all this data, you can train a model to spot the pattern differences between people who have cancer and those that don't. Right.
0: So looking at the, the sequencing and just being able to predict if you have this. How does the lab play into this? Is this something to where it's a blood test and then it goes in a, some sort of vial to a lab and it's detected in your AI there? Or is this something being done at home? Can you talk to us a little bit about the application?
1: Yeah, so we would love to get uh, to a, a full home diagnostic one day, but technology's not there yet. Um, it still requires high-throughput uh, deep sequencing. Um, you know, These are terabytes of data. Um, they're measured in bases in, uh, in, in what we do, so bases of DNA. Um, So right now, blood is taken at a physician's office or at home, it has to be done by a skilled professional, so a nurse or a um, physician's assistant or a medical assistant, and then that blood is overnighted back to our laboratory in West Lafayette, Indiana or Fulgence Laboratory in Temple City. Fulgence our commercialization partner. Um, We will run through a four-day automated process to sequence that blood, and then we'll apply the algorithm that we previously trained Um, to to be able to tell if you have cancer. So all of the artificial intelligence and machine learning was done in the discovery and training phase, in the R&D phase uh, of developing that test. And now that we're providing it commercially, it's just a simple algorithm that's locked down that doesn't change.
0: And how is that different than what currently happens at at a doctor's office or you you get a physical or you're not feeling well? How is it being uh, detected now? And how is Helio advancing that solution?
1: Yeah, so it depends on what type of cancer. Um, For liver cancer, which is the first one that um, we've developed a test for, the standard of care is ultrasound. So ultrasound is used every six months to screen uh, high-risk patients. These high-risk patients have liver cirrhosis or they have hepatitis or hemochromatosis, some kind of risk factor. Um, And when ultrasound is positive, it detects, uh, it, it basically um, leads to a suspicious signal mm-hmm. that patients then sent on to an MRI or a CT scan, right. um, and then subsequently diagnosed and then treated. So our test will replace ultrasound. You can get a simple blood test um, right now. Uh, a fifth of only a fifth of people who should be getting ultrasound for liver cancer are actually getting it. Right. So people are highly non-adherent because it's difficult to get an ultrasound. You have to go to a different um, facility to to get the imaging, um, and uh, it, it's not very accurate, right? So there's not a very good um, uh, consumer uh, image of it. So with the blood test, not only is it more accurate, but it's also simpler to use. Um, It can be taken at any physician office. It can be done at your primary. It could be done at your hepatologist. You don't need technician staff. Uh, You don't need um, ultrasound radiologists. uh, And and it's much
0: more accurate. So, So liver cancer is like where you started. And it seems to me that you know this is just a, a way to bypass the ultrasound and all these you know, difficult steps to actual detection. You guys are streamlining that, and it just seems like there's a direct correlation to alcohol use to liver cancer. That's an obvious. Um, it seems like there's more alcohol out in the world than ever. Uh, it seems like you guys are poised for a, a big growth to your business. I mean, there are correlations that are pretty obvious. Tell me a little bit about how healthcare, which seems to be a very highly regulated industry, deals with a newcomer like you. Is it, do you have like, the, the HIPAA world that you have to deal with or are there new regulations because you are dealing with AI versus like an ultrasound scanning?
1: I would say it's challenging because in America there's a lot of different stakeholders, a lot of different agents that are involved in um, you know regulations and, and things like that. You got the insurance companies, the payers, you have uh, the physicians who actually prescribe the tests and then you have the patients and then you have a whole host of patient advocacy groups and, and other types of, um, uh, of agents. So um, it, it does take a very long time to get a disruptive, uh, disruptive technology to the mass market in healthcare. Um, you have to go through FDA approvals. You have to get CMS reimbursement. Uh, you got to get into the guidelines. Um, but in general, I would say um, the community has been very receptive to the test. Right. Um, there's no doubt that we need a test like this, and that blood tests in general are, are gaining a lot of traction um, in, uh, in in the place of standard of care. So. Uh, we will get there eventually. Sometimes I, I feel it's a double-edged sword um, because you you need to have regulation to make sure uh, products that shouldn't be in the market uh, don't get to market, but sometimes it, it, it also makes it a little bit more difficult to get the right products to the market that should be in the market.
0: And then who are you going to like sell this to? Is it the doctors, the physicians, and the the medical practices? Is that your primary customer base?
1: So we have three customers, the physician, the the, the patient, and the payer. Uh, The primary customer, I would say, is the physician. So if we can get all the physicians on board, the physicians will prescribe it to the patients. The patients are typically going to listen to their doctor, but we have to provide a uh, a good experience for everybody who's involved in order to,
0: to get mass adoption. And so going past the liver cancer detection, tell us the broad scope and the future of Helio in the next couple years. Uh, we've already got a, a colon
1: test. Um, we have a gastrointestinal test uh, called HelioProtect, and the next one that we're doing is a lung cancer test, and we've made significant leaps in, in progress um, in R&D for, for our lung test. Um, we eventually want to be a completely comprehensive liver solution, so not only early cancer detection, but surveillance and treatment monitoring. Uh, we also want to do minimum, re- minimum residual disease, precision oncology, um, but we also want to go across uh, to other types of cancers that um, are,
0: are very prevalent. Prostate cancer is a big one that's an issue in the U.S. And so the detection, I mean it sounds like you guys are like fast forward the process, in four days you have the result from the lab, can that result be facilitated in an app on your phone, or is it something that still needs to go through the physician? So that, that's definitely in our development plan. Uh, we want
1: results in an app. Uh, we want you to be able to look at your results longitudinally. This is not a one-time test. People should be getting screened every six months, right? Remember, these are very high-risk people who are sick um, and, and who have a high incidence or high probability of developing liver cancer. So we absolutely want an app, um, we want an ecosystem that's providing, uh, w- providing advice to the patient, to the physician, that's reminding uh, people to be more adherent to their standard of care schedule, uh, to get them back in the clinic every six months.
0: So uh, one of our good friends is Richard Reisman with the Orange County Business Journal. You were just named Innovator of the Year uh, with the hundreds if not thousands of businesses in Orange County that, that hope for that award. What do you think really took it over the edge for Helio and, and what was that moment like? Well, first of all, we, we're very honored for um, receiving that award,
1: but I think it's our disruptive model and thinking about the patient experience and the customer journey. We're not just trying to develop a a better and more accurate test, we're also trying to make it much easier for the patient. There's, there's really, there, there's two things that can lead to better health outcomes in uh, cancer detection. Number one is just a more accurate test, mm-hmm. and number two is getting the patient to actually show up. Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of value and emphasis on making the test as simple as possible, so that, you know, first of all, you can buy it in one click, right, we, we, we tried to, um, we we try to emulate the Amazon model, um, and we also try to make the logistics as easy as possible. We don't want we don't want people to have to think about think about anything. We we just want it to be part of their normal workup.
0: So to all of our viewers, we have thousands of entrepreneurs that watch this show, you know, think about customer journey, think about member journey. What is it like in your business and what is it like in the the journey process of your customer? So whether it's cancer detection or marketing services, whatever that may be, customer journey and that experience truly differentiates and it helps companies like Helio break through and become the next greatest unicorn so tell us a little bit about the business itself because we all run our own businesses we're either founders or we're partners or we're ceos of companies um, tell us about how you were able to get funding who are some of your partners how you went from concept to this incredible enterprise
1: yeah so we started as a um, uc san diego technology spin out so we um, got connected with uh, dr khan john who was a Uh, well-known physician scientist, geneticist at UC San Diego and we were able to partner with him and acquire his technology and we still have an exclusive license and co-ownership with UC San Diego. Um, Later we raised um, friends and family rounds, we raised uh, a seed round, um, we were able to get a series A. Uh, We partnered with a lot of corporations um, that wanted to see the success of the technology um, and and be involved in in something that was bigger than themselves. Right? Um, There's a big ROI element to this, and also a big impact element. Who doesn't want to support cancer? Uh, you know, cancer screening and, and, and better health. Um, later, we were able to raise money from uh, I can I can disclose Samsung Securities as well as Fulgent Genetics. Um, they we were able to close a thirty-five million dollar round with them in July of last year, um, and Fulgent was the lead investor with a twenty million dollar check, um, and and. Uh, now they're our distribution partner as well.
0: Okay, great. So like as far as the business is concerned, are you still in what you would consider startup phase? Are you now commercializing, creating revenue? You know, what does the business look like in the next three to five years in your perspective? So we're, we we have a
1: soft launch. Um, we've launched our test with Folder Genetics. Um, we've sold, uh, you know, a, a pretty good number of units for um, for getting customer feedback. We're really focused on getting the logistics right, getting the results delivery right, and to provide a better experience for um, our three types of customers uh, before we do a full launch, which would be when we get the actual FDA approval. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just finished our FDA study. It was a 1,600-patient study, three-and-a-half-year study. cost tens of millions of dollars. Um, We just completed that um, August 19th of this year, uh, and we'll be submitting to the FDA in the first half of next year and looking for approval uh, a year after that. Um, so, that's really going to take us into the full launch of the product. That's when we would expect to um, get into standard of care guidelines, get reimbursement, um, and for the test to become more prolific. And that's the same platform that we're going to use to launch uh, new technology development and R&D uh, for other cancer types and other parts of the cancer continuum.
0: And so, looking at the business itself, what would you say is like the important goals for you in the next year, Like as, as you're building this company, like what's important to you?
1: Yeah, I think um, I, I think for sure we're the leading solution in liver. Um, there's no other liver cancer company that uh, is, is really a competitor to us right now um, in terms of next generation disruptive technologies. So we would like to expand on that and become the, the full comprehensive solution for liver. We also want to be more disruptive and more creative in uh, delivery of healthcare. You know, I mentioned EasyDoc before. Um, we really want to. We we can do so much more than just cancer testing, and all of these different types of businesses that we get into and services that we provide can be synergistic with each other. For instance, if we're working on primary care and health delivery, that can be a distribution network for um, for our test, right, as well as other cancer screening tests. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, our mission and goal as a company is to save patient lives, right. provide a better service at an affordable price, um, and and to. Uh, to save lives from cancer
0: and that's important to note too. you know we all are running our businesses so so hard but you have your mission in your heart comes right out very easily it's important that all you entrepreneurs have a mission statement it's not just something written on your website it's something that comes from your heart it's got to be something you're really truly passionate about in order to make that right type of impact as we round up this interview I want to think a little bit about data again so like you know without computers data really didn't exist Computers came data started happening and then there was like this big movement around big data and then a lot of these enterprises got into big data and it's like what do we do with this data and that's when machine learning and AI seemed to kind of come into the the fray. Now there just seems to be so much data that do you see like a horizon point for machine learning and AI and then something new to come from all this like that's that's almost a third third version of big data, like what are your thoughts around just with all this data and all this computing and all this mobilization, all the nodes that we 're carrying all the all, all that computation is, is there a limit yeah. to this
1: I think we 've only reached a very small percentage of our potential because we, we have a lot of data, but it needs to be the right data, and the industry as at large needs to develop to a point where we can actually access that data in in a um, a structured way and be able to make sense of it um, and, and, and to, to produce tests and drugs and, and things that can help uh, patients. So medical records is one of the biggest issues um, in the space right now. There's lots of corporations as well as startups trying to solve that issue. Um, you know, portability of medical records, continuity of care, right. those are things that have not been solved and make you know, our job a lot more difficult as a right. technology company. Sure. So, it costs much more money for our trials, and it takes much longer to enroll primary subjects because we can't access uh retrospective data and 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 so on um so there's lots of different challenges for the industry to solve sure. um, before we can get to our potential in, in machine learning
0: and on our show, we've covered machine learning machine vision AI across various industry sectors from digital license plates to palmer luckys and um you know it seems like every industry has its own bag of problems, okay? Um, anyone who has lost a parent or a grandparent or something and gone through America's healthcare system all has the same story, it's a nightmare. Um, I have a friend whose husband just suffered an injury and I'm following it on CaringBridge and it's like just the the discussion of long-term care, insurance, legal, um, you know, the will, and. It just seems like such a, like, like clog. We're, we're the United States of America. We're efficient. We're tech. Why is it when it comes to healthcare, there's just so much, uh, so many, like, like barriers of of that customer journey you're talking about? Why is it so difficult to have that journey and a, a more seamless process to, to whatever you're going through?
1: I mean, that's a million dollar question. I, I honestly don't know how to solve that. Um, but I will say that I think one of the major issues is that there's so many uh, different, organizations that are involved in, in healthcare and they're all they all have different goals, right? There's no alignment right. between, you know, all, all these different parties. Um, and that makes it ten times harder to do anything and, and to get uh, y- you know, any kind of pickup that and, and adoption that you want. So right. I hope I hope we can achieve it one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think
0: we're we're pretty far off from that. And Going back to how the interview started about Justin Lee, uh, I've gotten to know you as a friend, you're an incredible entrepreneur, talk to us a little bit about the struggles you went through and, and how as an entrepreneur you were able to overcome those struggles, because I think what, what's an interesting factor in all of us or people that I genuinely have on this show is that they're successful and they got a great business but I think where we are more tied to the content is about the struggles and the difficulty that they've been through. Are there any that you'd like to share with our audience about how you claw your way through a situation and, and what kept you going? Um, there were so many struggles, right? Uh, six years of
1: you know, bringing a startup from a piece of paper to, to where it is today. Um, you know, we, we faced certain death multiple times, right? Running out of money and, and going bankrupt. Um, being able to raise the capital create the credibility and to show scientific progress and to justify your valuation round after round you know we've always been able to pull through but sometimes we would be a few months away from running out of cash right um, so I think the the most important lesson for us was just not to give up I mean it sounds cheesy but a lot of you don't realize that three months is actually a lot of time a month is a lot of time a few days is a lot of time right you, you wait another uh, day and you create new opportunities, and there will always be there will always be new uh, moves that open themselves up uh, to you so that was certainly um, a big challenge to overcome also I think, as a uh, business person and being in finance, joining a pure life sciences and technology and biotech um, AI company uh, was difficult at first, right I had to you know, kind of justify what I was bringing to the table. Um, At first, uh, I started in the finance department, then I went into uh, BD, then operations, eventually the board nominated um, and uh, uh, voted me in as CEO. So, as I think as a business person, there's a lot that you can bring to the table in a uh, biotech company. Life sciences companies, um, for sure, uh, healthcare companies, for sure. There's lots of problems in healthcare companies for business people to solve. Biotech companies a little bit less, but there's still a lot of ways that you can um, reinvent uh, the way that we do things and things that'll be a little bit more obvious to a business person compared to a scientist
0: or a physician. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great advice. And I totally agree with you. I think when you're backed in a corner, the best thing to do is just, just sleep on it, wait. Time does change things. And that's how the world works. And your closing bit of advice. We have a lot of young entrepreneurs. I get written to all the time, uh, people that will sometimes watch an interview and then be inspired to actually leave their job and start a company. Any advice you have to the next generation entrepreneur that you just come to mind in in closing? I I would definitely take risks, if you're able to take risks.
1: because. I, I worked in corporate for several years, and um, now that I've been a part of an entrepreneurial company or a startup, there's no way I ever want to go back, right? Um, because there, there's just this, this ownership of the end result, this um, uh, you know autonomy over how to run the business that you're not able to get when you're working for a company um, that I really love. And if you're thinking about starting a company, I think you have to really figure out if um, if if you want that, along with all the challenges that can come from running a company, uh, and then don't think, just do it, just right. uh, take a risk and and try, because you'll you'll never find out if uh, you, you'll ne- you'll never start the journey unless you you jump.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I mean, risk is part of the DNA of any entrepreneur. Um, you know, my dad would always say like, take a risk. If you fail at it, you learn from it. You've actually gained. If you actually take a risk and you succeed at it, then you've gained. So you're gonna win either way. And I always like to say take responsible risks. So take risks with measure, so you know what you're getting yourself into, so you don't you know, uh, hurt yourself in the end. So with that, I present to you Justin Lee. This just goes into the fabric of these shows that have been created. Uh, no agenda, uh, no script, no teleprompter, uh, just conversation. I appreciate you for adding to it. Uh, in fact, our last one was with Palmer Luckey, uh, I took it uh, right, right in front of his brand new submarine. Uh, but I didn't talk to him about his submarine, I talked to him about uh, what his thoughts were on Metaverse, and it was actually very interesting because he was talking right to the camera, but really to Mark Zuckerberg about what he thought of Metaverse, so you'll have to watch my show. And we talked about the war going on in Ukraine and Russia, and what, what nuclear uh, options would, would look like and how, how the world would react to that uh... and we also talked about him and what he faced uh... he he was on a podcast and the person who interviewed him on the podcast had actually uh... said some horrible things about him several years earlier so unbeknownst to the podcast interviewer he flipped the script and recited all the things that he said so there was some really good nuggets that we pulled out of there Um, And then an upcoming show we're going to have is with David Fernandez, who owns one of the largest body armor companies with the US Army. And one of his great friends, Richard, uh, built the human jetpack. And so we're going to actually demo the human jetpack. We're very excited about that. I've actually been invited to actually demo it. I have passed on it. But I will do the interview on the ground. Um, And then we have Jim Doty, who is an iconic leader. Um, He's a former president of Chapman University that we'll be interviewing in December, so I'm looking forward to those shows. And so I present to you, Justin Lee, uh, modern version of the word entrepreneur. Uh, We wish you continued success with Helio. You're in a trillion dollar economy here in Orange County, known for medical device, biotech, and all things healthcare, so uh, we're all behind you, and we wish you continued success. Thanks so much, Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be back to you.